You're listening to the Quicker Than Fast podcast with your hosts, Michael and Robert Hardwick. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Quicker Than Fast Podcast to stay up to date on NFL news, information regarding episodes, and to join the conversation. And why not hit that like and share button on our Facebook page? And thank you for your support. Ladies and gentlemen, pull out your hair ties. It's time to let your hair down and truly get funky. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Quicker Than Fast podcast. As always, I'm your host, Michael Hardwick, and today I'm joined in the uh, Stimulus Bill Studios by my brother, Robert Hardwick. Hey, hey. Um, and yeah, we're going to be uh, covering offensive linemen and defensive linemen today, uh, and that will be the last episode that covers draft prospects for the 2020 draft, and then we're going to start moving into our mock drafts and getting ready for the big day. Um, and we just before we start, we just want to say thank you. Uh, to the listeners for supporting us and continuing to listen to us during this time. Um, we really are trying to put out episodes pretty frequently for something to listen to, whether it's you're working at home or if you're still at work. Um, but yeah, we just really hope everyone's doing well and everyone's staying safe. And that's the most important part. But uh, we're just trying to be an outlet for everyone. So thank you for the support and for listening. Um, but as I mentioned, episode seven, we are talking offensive linemen. We're talking defensive linemen. It might not be the sexiest position, but you know, this is an exciting group. The offensive lineman is a really exciting group. So if you're a fan of a team that needs offensive linemen, this is the draft to do it. This is the draft to get your guy. Um, and there is going to be plenty to talk about. Um, so instead of wasting time, we're just going to dive on in and we're going to start. We are going to give you our top seven offensive line, which happened linemen, which happened to all be offensive tackles. So I'm just going to start it off with number seven. And that's Ezra Cleveland. And many of you might not know who this is, but he's out of Boise state. He's a junior He's 6'6", 3'11", so he's a pretty tall guy. Um, and he was really under the, kind of under the radar until he hit the combine, and he posted a 4'9", 40 time, and 30 reps on the, on the bench press. So you just you start to wonder, okay, this guy very athletic. Um, how does he translate on tape? And people kind of went back and watched and said, okay, this guy's a very good pass blocker um, and showed it for a couple seasons. Uh, but the question is whether he's going to be a left tackle or right tackle and that usually is what solidifies or what changes our rankings are the top guys on the list tend to be almost guaranteed left tackles or star right tackles. These, When you start to talk about like Ezra Cleveland um, or our next guy, it's are they really a left tackle or right tackle? And you don't really know, so that's why they tend to fall a bit. Um, but Ezra Cleveland, you know, he has that athleticism. He's smooth. He has good feet. Uh, but the issue is he needs to be a better run blocker. He needs to not just rely on the athleticism, and he needs to get better hands. Now, he's going to be a day two uh, day two guy, maybe falling into the third, or if teams start reaching, uh, you know, he'll day, late day two pick. It's just kind of tough to, to project with the with the offensive lineman because there's so many good ones. Are they going to be a lot taken early, um, or are they going to fall? I know you might kind of think that offensive lineman might fall in this draft. Yep. Um, and, and you just never really know. Um do you have any teams that you think Ezra might fit well in, you know, come day two, day three? I think he might fit well with maybe like the Cardinals or Browns who are looking to fill some needs there, but may not waste like a first round, second round pick on him. Yep. So I, I think those would be good fits if they were able to get him there. And the Cardinals are a good one because that's a really pass happy offense. I think you're going to see him more in a team that's going to throw the ball 30, 35 times a game instead of trying to rely on him as a run blocker. Um, and then, so coming in at number six, we have Austin Jackson who we kind of alluded to earlier. Um, he's out of USC. He's a, a junior, 6'5", 322, so a little stronger than, than Ezra is. 
But, you know, I like Austin Jackson. He's got a really cool story. He donated bone marrow to his uh, sister uh, when he was in, in school that, that caused um, him to miss some time for football. But I think Austin Jackson is a guy who has a pretty high ceiling, but he just kind of has an average floor if he doesn't really refine technique or get better technique, especially hand use. Um, but he has great size. You know, he's got that the physique you're looking for in an offensive tackle. He's athletic. Um, again, he's got good feet, but just not much of a run blocker and just relies too much on the athleticism. And you just don't know if he's going to really be a average left tackle or is he going to be a good right tackle. Um, but, you know, Austin Jackson's one of those guys that could creep his way up into the top of the, or the end of the first, um, you know, 30, 31, 32, if maybe a team trades up for him because they don't want to wait till day two. Um, or if there's, you know, run on tackles in, in uh, the first round or you find him in the uh, second round. But he's not going to last too much longer in the second round um, if he does slip that far. Uh, I think, you know, Giants would be maybe a good team if he if they don't take a top, top tackle and they maybe sit. What do you think about Austin Jackson in terms of team fit? Well, like you say, Giants, they could always trade back up and in the end of the first round and pick him up. Uh, you talk about if the Packers decide that they don't want to go with playmakers and they want to go with a tackle, he could fit their need there. Maybe like the Chiefs at the end solidify tackles there too. So like you say, end of first round. Otherwise, the Browns maybe the beginning of the second round. Well, and I also think like the 49ers now they have two first round picks and they could go get a playmaker with their first round or early first round pick and then maybe solidify that left tackle position or get a you know somebody there for when Joe Staley decides to hang it up. Uh, but you mentioned Packers. Actually, his granddad used to play in the NFL, played for the Packers for a couple of years. So you never know if there's maybe a connection there. Um, now coming in at number five, we have Josh Jones out of Houston, a senior, 6'5", 319. You're kind of seeing a trend here in the size of these guys. Uh, why don't you talk about Josh Jones a little bit? Well, like you say, he has the size that the NFL teams are looking for. He'll be more of a developmental tackle coming from Houston. Maybe doesn't have the coaching and the skills. I mean, his footwork, footwork tends to be – a little raw compared to a lot of the other tackles that you'll see in this draft. Uh, he has good leverage off the line. He's more of a, a pass rush type of tackle instead of a um, Run running type. Yep. Yep. Run. yep. So he gets caught doing that sometimes. Can't really get to the second level as well. So I like him. Again, you talk about maybe the end of the first round. I know you think he could go maybe middle of the first round. So it just kind of depends on what teams like about him. I, what do you think about teams for him? Yeah, I think teams, you, if you're talking middle of the first, potentially for him, I think Bucks at 14, you know, how how are they going to help Brady really? You know, like making sure he stays upright. Are they going to get desperate? Are they going to reach for a tackle? I think that's the team you look for maybe at 14 to kind of reach. I think Giants is a little too high. You know, if there's, if for half, you know, four of these top guys go, are they really going to reach at 11 for him? Um, but otherwise, I think kind of your later teams, I think, you know, Vikings maybe with their second first round pick could look at him. Um, I do think he's another candidate to maybe slip into the second round um, or a trade up candidate for a team looking to come in to get their guy. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, he, he's a work in progress. He's got, you know, coming from a small school. He, he just plays tall, you know, and he gets kind of bullied a little bit by guys who come in with a bull rush because he doesn't anchor down. Um, but there's a lot to like there with Josh Jones as well. So. Um, do some do some checking on him if you're a guy if you're a team in the, the middle of the first like I said maybe the Bucks um, but yeah number four we're gonna move to a guy who doesn't get moved very often Mackay Becton now this is a guy who's really climbing up boards if you would have looked last year you might not have really known much about Becton um, but I'm gonna let you talk about the big boy out of Louisville now this is a big guy six seven three hundred and sixty four pounds that's that's incredible size 
Yep, and they they call him the dancing bear, and I mean for a reason. You talk about, I mean, he, he at his size, he still has the ability to bend. He has the ability to move. He is tremendously powerful at the point of attack. He moves defenders easily out of the way with his size. Uh, look at his size. He holds, a, he holds a solid base and anchors, so you're not going to be able to move him when he gets to the position he wants to be at. The only problem is he's an extremely raw player. You're taking him as more of a deve- deve- developmental player, yeah. and you just don't know what he's going to be. He came from Louisville. I mean, is he going to be an all-pro type player? A lot of people think he can be that, but a lot of people think it's because of the them molding him into what he can become. He could go as high as five to the Giants. Four just, to the Giants. Four to the Giants just as just off the talent or possibility there. Yeah, and you know, I think that's you're seeing that a lot in mock drafts. If you're looking at mock drafts and you're like, why is this Mikai Becton going all the way up to number four to the Giants? The big connection there is that Dave Gettleman, their GM, loves like big, big offensive tackles. And not only that, I mean like Mikai Becton ran like a 507 at the combine, which a guy in his size, that's an incredible it, he might have been one of the biggest winners with that with that speed, um, but he needs a better quick first step. You know, like if you have a, a speed rusher coming off the edge or, you know, an outside linebacker, he could get beat there. But, you know, he could go as high as four, as you mentioned, with that connection with the Gettleman, or he could maybe slide himself into the middle of the first. Um, you know, he's another candidate for those Buccaneers at 14 if he does start to fall there. You know, you talk about the Browns at 10 is another team that he could potentially go to. Um, but, yeah, you know, Mikai Becton, he's rising. Um, we, we decided to put him at four instead of three, because at number three, we have Andrew Thomas, um, out of Georgia. He's a junior, 6'5", 315, more of a refined prospect. He's been doing it a long time. Why don't you talk a little bit about Thomas? Well, Thomas is a gritty player coming from out or coming from Georgia. I mean, a winning program there. He gets the job done. I mean, when the process breaks down and it looks like it's chaos, he's the type of leader to step up. And I mean, he makes things happen on that line. If you draft him, he's going to be a day one starter. He's been taught well. I mean, technically, he's he's developed a lot more than maybe a lot of these other tackles are. Uh, every now and then, he gets caught leaning or lunging when he's, I mean, trying to defend, and he gets caught off balance. Um, but I, I, I do like him in this draft. Between one, two, and three, I don't feel there's just a whole lot of difference maybe, and I feel like he could just as easily be – one or two. Yeah, and going into the draft prospect, you know, at the end of the season, he probably was the number one offensive tackle. He's kind of a blue chip prospect that's been consistent year after year. The problem is like the reason he might not be the number one or number two guy taken in terms of tackles is just the upside. You know, our number one and number two guy have incredible upside. And not that he doesn't, but he's just got a better floor to start. And so that's why like I think he he would be a really good Buccaneers pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's gonna come and he's gonna be a better starter on that left side. And you know he's a left tackle, but I think he could also, if need be, play right tackle and play very well there. You know, Mikai Becton, like he's he's got to play left tackle really. Um, if he moves over to right tackle, you just you really don't know. And I and I like him with the Browns if if they decide to not go defense there, or I like him with the Chargers if the Chargers decide to not go quarterback. Um, I just think it helps on both of their offensive lines. Absolutely, and you're going to hear this again and again for the next couple of players. Are they going to go as high as four? <laughs> Are they going to fall down into the, you know, the Broncos range at 15 or 16? You just, it's hard to really gauge where these guys are going to go because it's all based off of team need and kind of how you look at their potential and their upside. Um, and at number two, this is a guy, incredible upside, as we mentioned, and that's Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. Uh, ran a 485 at 6'5, 320 pounds. So wow. you've got prototypical size and you have unreal speed. 
with that 24 reps at the bench press, three, uh, 36.5 inch vertical. Now my comp for him, um, and we haven't done a lot of comps, just it's hard to really compare offensive linemen, but Lane Johnson is my comp for um, Tristan Wirfs because just coming out of college, Lane Johnson was an athletic freak, ran in the four sevens, I believe. And I think he just compares well to what Tristan Wirfs does. Now, Tristan Wirfs, he's athletic, as we mentioned. He's strong. Um, and they call him a weight room monster or warrior. You know, he's always in there trying to get stronger, get better. Um, the problem is, you know, with all that athleticism and that power and that talent, he doesn't dominate every play like you kind of wish he would. If you watch Iowa tape, you know, he's, he's good at both run blocking and pass blocking. But there's times that you wish he would just take over and just be a, a stalwart there. And he just doesn't do it every single play. So you hope that consistency comes. And then he just needs to be better at the point of attack. Um, he does lunge. And that's a kind of a story we see a little bit with these guys. Um, they try to lunge and, and, and get to that block first instead of waiting for the contact to come to them. But Tristan Wirfs, um, I don't know if he's he's necessarily the number four pick. But I think Chargers would be a good fit for him. I think Jets may be a good fit for him. Um, any of those teams really in the top 15, uh, I think they'd be really happy to land Tristan Wirfs. What do you, do you have a team maybe that you think Wirfs well, would fit? Yeah. Like you say, I think, I think if, if he fell to the Browns again, I just know they're looking to I mean, protect Baker Mayfield. I think any of those guys that fall into that position, you'd run up there and put your card in. Yeah. And Wirfs comes from a good program. You know, Iowa has offensive linemen. They got Brian Bulaga. They just get offensive linemen that come out year after year and are, are very solid players. Another thing about Wirfs is, he has some. Uh, he's played left tackle, he's played right tackle, and he's also played guard. So you know, if he doesn't, maybe if he struggles at left tackle a little bit, you have the ability to move him around, um, and that that really does bode well for teams knowing that there's assurance that he can play multiple positions. Um, so that brings us to our top guy, and our top guy was a late kind of riser, comes from another big program, and that's Jedrick Willis Jr. Out of Alabama, a junior, 6'4", 312. Why don't you talk about Jedrick Willis? Like I say, he comes from a winning program, so you know what you're getting with the the system that he's been in there. I mean, he's big, powerful, and he's quick to get off the ball. Explodes off the snap, fires out with a powerful punch, which I, I think a lot of these other tackles maybe lack in here. Um, he shows in, incredible strength. And he stands out particularly in the run game more than maybe the pass game. But and that's kind of the difference we've seen with some of these other tackles. Yep. And more you, see, run you see that more with Alabama tackles over the years than you've seen. So, I mean, once he gets the hands on the defender, it's game over. They're not getting off there. So you talk about maybe the Gi the Giants, if they don't take Becton, do they go there? Um, again, if he falls down to the Browns, you obviously you're running up there and doing it. And I think, again, the Jets. I think the Jets would love to have him if he was able to get to their yeah. – Pick. I also, again, if, if Chargers don't take quarterback, I like the fit of uh, them going Jedrick Wills just because, you know, that's a team that likes to run the ball. They're one of the more run-heavy teams in, in the in the league. You get him, and, and you're really happy with what you get there. The reason Jedrick Wills has climbed so much is because he's already a stalwart run run protector, which you don't see very often, and he has all the tools to be a great run, or pass blocker. Yep. And there's potential all-pro Hall of Fame type potential there. Um, but, yeah, this is a very, very deep offensive line draft. Uh, it's very top heavy as well. I think you're going to see potentially four offensive linemen go in the first 15, yeah. maybe two more at the end of the first. It just it depends on, you know, like if there's going to be that run on them in the first round with there being a lot of them, does that mean people reach or do they stay patient and just wait? Um, and we just want to bring your attention to a couple other guys who are those more day two players, second round guys who, again, if you don't take the, you know, maybe second round, third round guys, if you don't take the premier guy, guys that could be very good for you. Um, and that's uh, Prince Tega Wanago, 
out of Auburn. And there's actually two Auburn tackles. You have Jeff, uh, Jack Driscoll, uh, who played tackle there. But then you also had Prince Tega Wanago, who played tackle there as well. Two guys who just they were they were good for Auburn uh, on the offensive line. You're going to see them in the day two, maybe third round, second round guys. Um, also, uh, Isaiah Wilson. So we already talked about Andrew Thomas as a Georgia tackle. Um, Isaiah Wilson was the right tackle for Georgia. And, you know, he's an interesting prospect. Another big guy, right? 6'7", 350 pounds. Massive human being. Uh, problem is he just he's slow. He's got heavy feet, which means there might be a move to a guard in the near future. But that's a big guard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he's only a sophomore. He's young. There's a lot to work with there. But the problem might be that if you try him at guard or tackle and let him fail, that might take two years. And then you might take two more years to teach him the guard position. Then you're four years down the road. How high do you want to use, you know, capital on a guy like Isaiah Wilson? Uh, but I think there's a lot to work there or worked with. Um, and, and, you know, I think some of those guys could really be good round two, round three guys. And so that's, you know, our top seven and a few more. And those are all really offensive tackles, maybe transitioning um, into the offensive guard position. Um, otherwise, you know, I want to talk about a few offensive or interior linemen, guards, potentially centers. So if you're a team that needs an interior offensive lineman. Um, and I first want to talk about Lloyd uh, Cushenberry, the third out of LSU, uh, you know, 6'3", 312 junior on a winning program. Robert's going to talk a little about Cushenberry. Well, he's extremely difficult to bull rush. I mean, you're not going to just come running in on him and get by him. I mean, he's a big guy, and he's able to hold line right there. Uh, he's rarely beaten to the punch in pass sets. So I just think all around between the run and pass game, he's kind of the starting interior offensive lineman you're looking for. He's got long arms, good core strength, which is what you're looking for in NFL-type linemen. Uh, he isn't rigid or stiff, so, I mean, he's a very fluid-moving player. So a lot of athleticism where maybe you wouldn't see it on tape. But, I mean, he does have a little bit of limitations with his lateral quickness, which, as a guard, you're not going to be doing a whole lot. But if you're asking him to pull and do a bunch of blocking there, then you may have some issues with his speed. And there are really no interior linemen that are first-round picks. Um, you know, Cushenberry is a guy that we're going to, you know, he's going to be a, a second round pick, yep. potentially third round pick, but they're just, the, the interior linemen aren't great in this draft, but the tackles are phenomenal. Um, as, as we just mentioned, um, another guy is Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan. So I know my brother's seen quite a bit on Ruiz um, and he just, he's a solid interior lineman. Um, I kind of give him a James Daniels comp, which who was drafted last year. He's actually on the Packers play center for him. Um, and James Daniels was a good rookie. Um, but yeah, Cesar Ruiz, he's quick, he's smart, played in big games. And the big thing with him is he's system diverse. So like he's played different systems over time and he's been shown to be very, um, you know, he can switch over to any system he wants to play in yeah. and, and do well. So, you know, you're getting some insurance there. Um, he's just a fluid player. The problem is he needs to anchor better on a bull rush. Um, so, you know, he has, he has potential to kind of get knocked over a little bit. Um, and, and that includes being stronger at the point of attack. Uh, but otherwise, you know, that's another interior lineman. And then I know uh, you have a little bit on uh, Nathani uh, Muti out of uh, Fresno State, 6'3", 315 interior lineman. Um, it's kind of rising on boards a little bit, another day two pick. Talk about Muti a little bit. Yeah, he's very aggressive, plays with frenetic style. I mean, he's the ideal interior, ideal interior offensive lineman if you're looking for a scheme that uses a lot of zone and movement. So, again, it has to be a fit to what your program is and kind of the offense that you want to play. But he needs to work on being a little more under control. Like I say, sometimes it's just it's a free-for-all out there. And if you're looking for that kind of grappler, he's going to be that guy. Yeah, I mean, not a big school at Fresno. 
Um, but yeah, if you get him in the right fit, he could be kind of a steal in this draft in the second, third round because he is he's very good in what he does in the system that he plays in. Um, and another guy that maybe you saw if you were looking at mock drafts a year ago or so was Tyler Biadish. And that's a, an offensive lineman, interior lineman out of Wisconsin. And you hear Wisconsin offensive linemen, you get a little excited because they usually produce good offensive linemen there. And Biadish is good, but really he's solid, but really unspectacular. Like there's nothing flashy about him. He doesn't have a huge ceiling, which is the reason why you're going to see him drop a little bit. And he's be just a good, two. solid player. Yeah, and what's funny is I actually played – uh, defensive lineman in high school and had to transition to offensive lineman, but he's kind of, you know, I think he might reach his ceiling and that's not a bad thing if you're a good high floor guy. Um, but yeah, he just, he's a really, really good run blocker as we saw with the success Jonathan Taylor had at Wisconsin. Uh, but he needs to develop as a pass blocker. If he's going to be, you know, trying to push that potential a little bit, he just needs to get more powerful. And he's the kind of the, you know, the top of the list of those people that lunge at blocks, mm-hmm. you know, not really being uh, an offensive lineman his whole life. He really does reach. You can see he wants to initiate contact and that's the defensive lineman in him coming out. Um, so the reason I mentioned him in, in last year's drafts or in the mock drafts was he was kind of, people were hoping he'd take this big leap as a pass blocker and he just didn't. So he's starting to fall down boards a little bit, but good value come maybe day three now um, or in the third round. And then another name to, to, to mention is Lucas Niang at a TCU. Um, and here's a guy, another kind of like a dancing bear type interior lineman, really light on his feet. Uh, that, that really could be kind of a steal in maybe the late second, third round. And the reason why is because he has a hip injury that like, you know, kind of like we're seeing with Tua, it needs to be cleared. You know, he needs to make sure if that hip's right, then he could be kind of rising up that list being one of the better interior linemen, linemen in general. But a hip injury has really been hurting him and, and forcing him down the, the boards, and especially in the in the you know with the coronavirus and everything like that. We're not going to get a lot of those medical things figured out before the draft, so he could be a kind of a steal later on um, down the road. And now we're going to cover the defensive linemen. You know the people obviously across from these guys we just talked about, um, and we're just going to break it up by covering defensive tackles and defensive ends. We were going to cover uh, all of them at once to give a full ranking, but I think it's just easier to break them apart. Um, And we're just going to start with the defensive tackles, the big boys in the middle. Um, And we're going to start with a guy who's really been rising up the boards after the senior bowl, and that's Jason Strobridge. Now, Jason Strobridge out of North Carolina, same 6'4", good-sized guy, really powerful guy. And, yeah, people that didn't really know about him saw him in the the senior bowl and just, you know, were like, wow, this guy's really good. And I think you're going to see him, you know, as a day two guy, maybe as high as, like, maybe mid-second round. Um, he's got size, he's powerful, he's got a great bull rush, and he's got a phenomenal motor, which you look for with, with some interior guys. The problem is he's kind of a tweener. We don't really know if he's kind of a 3-4 edge, uh, kind of 3-4 defensive tackle, or if he's a 4-3 interior defensive tackle. So there's a little bit to figure out there. Um, and then he just needs to develop some more moves. Um, otherwise, he's kind of just relying on the bull rush at the moment, but there's a lot to work with, and you love the motor that this guy brings. Um, then number six, we have Raekwon Davis. It's hard. You really wish you could move this guy up the board because he has all the physical talents that you want. And he's the first guy you want to step off the bus if you're going to you know, have a team. Um, but what do you think about Raekwon Davis? I mean, you talk about him. He's huge. Up six, seven, 312 pounds at times playing, uh, 47 total tackles this year, 18 being solo. He has the power and size of the ideal NFL lineman. Like you talk about, you want him the first person off the bus. You want him the guy at midfield with his shirt off, you know, showing everybody. Yeah, the problem is, you know, he just wasn't consistent. You saw it a little bit in 2000, 
only like 17. He kind of burst onto the scene at Alabama. Of course, they just have a factory of defensive linemen that they produce there. Um, but yeah, he comes from a big program. And after his junior year, a lot of people said he should have went to the draft. And he decided to stay um, and because he, he felt like he was running with the wrong crowd. Yeah. He was running with the wrong people. He was immature. He decided, I'm going to come back. And I'm going to prove it to be right. He became one of the leaders on the defense. So you kind of like the mindset the guy has, the physical tools he has. He just really needs to become more refined and be more consistent. And if he can, I, you know, he's not a late round one guy. He's a round two guy if you want to take a flyer early. Otherwise, at the end. Um, but what you have is is something that if you can get the best of this guy, an absolute steal. I think both these guys, both Raekwon Davis and Strobridge, are guys you can look at. You know, second round players that maybe, uh, you know, I could see Raekwon Davis at the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. For I could just see that one happening. Otherwise, you look at teams like the Vikings picking up like a Strobridge. I like that when they get the value of a guy in the second round. Um, otherwise, I think the Raiders could just keep piling up. They like the big-named guys or the big school guys yep. um, going forward. And I think Raekwon would also – Raekwon and Strobridge would be great fit at the Lions in the second round. Um, and number five, we have Jordan Elliott out of Missouri. He's a junior, uh, 6'4", 302. He's got good size. He's been climbing boards a little bit, you know. He's got experience. Why don't you talk a bit on Jordan Elliott? Well, he had 44 tackles, 30 solo tackles, and two and a half sacks this last year. He's a defensive tackle. That's really good numbers. Yep. 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 And he's best suited as a gap penetrator pass rusher. So like you say, the numbers that he did have are good numbers for someone that's more of a pass rusher. So he's slippery in the trenches. He has good flexibility, which you don't see for a lot of tight or uh, defensive tackles. So making those plays in the gap has been big for him. Missouri will carry over in the next level with him. Yeah, and he's one of these guys that we're seeking. He's going to maybe fall into the late first. You know, I don't know if a team trades up for him necessarily, but a team in the late first that maybe has a couple assets, a couple different draft picks, could take a flyer on a on a guy like Jordan Elliott just because he's going to be a penetrator for you, which you don't see a lot of defensive tackles. And I really like the Vikings here with their second first round pick. You know, replacing some of what they lost on the defensive line. If you're a Vikings fan, go look at Jordan Elliott, um, and 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 I think you might see a guy who you guys could really be interested in the end of the, in the end of the first round. Um, at number four, we have a guy who's maybe a little different than that in terms of not really getting at the quarterback, but that's Neville uh, Gallimore out of uh, Oklahoma. He's a senior, 6'2", 304. He's played a lot of football, um, obviously in the Big Twelve, which you know sometimes their defenders get overshadowed just because you know there's some poor defense played and a lot of numbers put up, but. Um, you know, he, he's a big guy. He's, he's kind of a boomer bust guy in terms of the pass rush, but he's a phenomenal run blocker. Um, and what I mean by boomer bust and pass rush is he plays tall, but he plays strong. And if he can really get it, I mean, like there's times he either gets at the quarterback or he gets knocked on his ass. There's really, it's, it's, it's one or the other. And if he can really develop that, he's got a great motor. He always hustles. Um, you know, kind of like we, we talked about in previous episodes, his teammate, uh, Kenneth Murray, like these guys work their, their butts off. And if we can get him to refine his skills, the team that picks uh, Neville Gallimore might find a, a little bit of a gem there. Um, there's some comparisons to Quentin Jefferson, who we talked about in our free agency review, or recap that went to the Bills as one of the more underrated defensive linemen in the whole NFL. And I think Neville Gallimore might fit that. If he can kind of become more consistent in that pass rush, he already has the run-stopping ability. And another guy who's kind of sneaking up into the end of the first round that we could see at one of those teams. And if he can find himself on an already established defensive line, we could find a, you know, he could be very, very productive. Um, but he falls at number four for us. And number three, we have Ross Blacklock out of TCU. Another guy who's, who's, who's probably going to find himself at the end of the first round. Um, 6'3", 290, like I said, out of TCU. Why don't you talk about Ross? Well, he had 40 total tackles, 25 solo and three and a half sacks this last year. 
the coronavirus really hurt him because his draft stock would have improved more if he could have shown him the explosiveness during the draft prospect or process. process yep. Just it doesn't show up on tape sometimes how explosive he really is. And he plays in a defense that isn't known to be a good defense. So, I mean, he kind of stands out there. He's going to be great at the next level. I think he's going to be a steal if you get him the end of the first round. Um, He kind of has that rare ability that you can't teach. So he's very instinctive, too, as a defensive tackle. Now, this is one of those defensive tackles it's actually maybe worth trading up for into the late first so you don't have to worry about not getting him in day two. Um, And I I think, you know, I keep saying the Vikings, you know, but another one to watch out for there. I think, you know, you could see him as high as Denver, I think, potentially. I think that is a little bit of a reach, um, but potentially as high as Denver. Uh, but, you know, Cowboys maybe could be interested. You know, if, if you have a couple trade back candidates, if Denver, you know, Dallas or Atlanta trade back, you could maybe see them picking up a guy like Ross Blacklock. Um, otherwise, he might be finding himself on a really good team and be kind of that piece needed to make sure the teams get at quarterbacks. You know, we're seeing that's a premium today with such good quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, and then number two, we have one of my favorite guys in the entire draft, and that's Javon Kinlaw. And, you know, I really don't have a ton to say on Kinlaw because he's just – he's so fantastic. Um, and what separates him from our number one guy is that Kinlaw is a quarterback disruptor. I mean, he gets through the offensive line, and he gets to the quarterback. And, you just again, you don't find that a lot with defensive tackles, and so there's a premium on when you can find guys like that. The biggest thing on Kinlaw is that if he can get more uh, consistent and get more control – you know, there's times he just kind of goes wild. You know, he's got this motor. He's a great energy guy. Um, he could have went out in the draft last year, been a first-round pick, decided to come back because he wanted to prove he wasn't just a one-hit wonder, and he did just that. The numbers don't even speak to how good Kinlaw was. You know, he, he's South Carolina, so SEC school, uh, you know, 6'5", uh, 324, you know, great size in terms of defensive lineman. And my comp for him is Fletcher Cox, and he could find himself drafted in a very similar range. Cox was 14 to the Eagles. Um, a few years back, and it's been shown to be one of the most disruptive defensive linemen in football. And Kinlaw, I think you could see him, you know, potentially at number 14 to the Bucks. I like him with the Falcons. Falcons right there in the same range. Um, you know, if you want a pass rusher that comes up the middle. Now, here's an interesting one because the Niners traded away a defensive lineman, you know, in, in DeForest Buckner to move up to 13. And there's rumors that they could be interested in Javon Kinlaw and get a guy who's even more of a pass rusher as Buckner was more of a run defender. So, just is, is an interesting guy. Kinlaw is fantastic. If he falls out of the you know top 10, which it might be possible, you're going to snag him up. If he falls out of the top 15, you're going to be fainting before you can even hand in the card. Uh, but it brings us to our number one guy, and that's Derek Brown out of Auburn. He's a senior, 6'5", 326. What can you say about Derek Brown that people maybe don't already know? Well, he had four, 55 total tackles, 33 solo, four sacks. And the numbers, as good as they are for defensive tackle, doesn't show what he actually is as a player. Uh, He's very explosive for an interior defensive lineman. And in my opinion, has great chance of being that pro all pro type. I mean, Hall of Fame type player. I mean, in the run game, he has or offensive linemen have difficult moving him. I mean, he's so big that once he gets a hold of a lineman, he could shed him and get straight to the running back. He can get to the quarterback, too. So he's very instinctive and makes the rest of the defensive line better around him. Yeah, he 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 fits like what might be the next Vince Wilfork for me. Yeah. You know, can play kind of as a nose tackle, but you'd love to team him up in a four-three uh, and just and make it so teams. How do you how do you double double him because you have another guy to get at the quarterback? You know, very rarely do you get get a guy like maybe like the Vince Wilfork types who are great run de- run defenders, 
going in like maybe at as high as number five. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's a top 10 lock, I would say. Um, if he falls out of the top 10, you could see teams maybe trying to trade up to him. I like, you know, if the, if the Lions trade back, I like that. If the Chargers decide not to go offensive line or quarterback, I like that. I think the Panthers are a good fit for him. Panthers could replace a lot of what they lost on defense by picking up a guy like like, uh, like um, Derek, Derek Brown. Brown. Because yeah. one thing that Derek, we did talk about, high character and, and a leader. You know, and, and we talked about it with our linebacker episode. He, this guy brings character that you want in your locker room and leadership that you want in your locker room. And I think Cardinals as well. You know, they could pair him up with Chandler Jones and find a guy that just makes a more disruptive defensive line. Okay, so now we're going to cover the guys that come off the edge, your edge rushers or defensive ends, if you if that's how you want to, you know, categorize them. But there's a lot to be excited about in this class as well. Some guys that are boomer bust prospects, but then also that are considered generational type prospects. Um, and I just think as, as you know, in, in total, I think um, the defensive line groups want to really be excited about. You have phenomenal all pro type defensive tackles, but you also have phenomenal high character um, high potential defensive ends, edge rushers as well. Um, so we're just going to give you our top seven guys. Um, and that's the first one's going to be Terrell Lewis at number seven out of Alabama, 6'5", 262 pounds. He was a senior. So again, you talk about an Alabama defensive lineman, you talk about somebody who's played a lot of games and, you know, has, has gone up against the top competition. Now Terrell Lewis, you just hope for more consistency and you hope that he can do it outside of Alabama. Um, he, he may not have had the sack totals that you hope for, but he has a high motor, and you just hope that when you get him, he's going to be a second-round guy, and you hope that in the second round, the guy you get can show out to be more of a first-round type potential because he has the skill set to do that. He has the size to be able to do that. He just needs to refine those skills, get better with his hands because um, he could get locked down with uh, you know more polished offensive tackles at the next level. Um, and then you know at number six, we have Julian Akawara, and that's a name maybe, maybe you don't really know. He's from Notre Dame, so still a good school. He's a senior, 6'4", 252, so another guy with good size. Now, here's a guy who's, again, he's scheme versatile. So he can play a defensive tackle. He could push out to defensive end. Um, and that could that could bode well for him. That's kind of why we have him ranked one more higher than Terrell Lewis. Um, you know, and, and Akwara, really, he plays – his only downside is he plays too tall. You know, he doesn't bend well, um, so that does, doesn't bode well for him there. But he's long, he's athletic, he's got great pursuit speed, and he's got a great frame. I think he can even put on more weight, and that could help him in some of his bull rush because right now he relies too much on a speed rush. Um, and I just, yeah, I think, you know, if he wouldn't play so much upright and if he would get, you know, a little bit better with his hands, Aquara could be a guy that you could see sneak into the end of the first round um, and, and land on a really good team, maybe like the Chiefs, um, something like that. Land up the Vikings to give them another edge rusher outside, you know, after losing Everson Griffin. Um, otherwise, he's going to be a really good value at round two, in, in my opinion. Um, at number five, we have a guy who's just been consistently productive in college. Might not be the biggest school, but has maybe been, after our number one guy, the most productive in college over the last two seasons. And that's Curtis Weaver out of Boise State. He's a junior, 6'2", 265, so maybe a little shorter than what your prototypical ends are. But why don't you mention a little bit about Curtis Weaver? Like you talked about, I mean, he's... He followed up a strong 2018 with 52 tackles, 32 solo, and 13 and a half sacks. So the sack total is high. Um, again, not playing against the top competition at times, but still productive. He's not the most athletic guy, but he has good balance when initiating contact, and he is explosive for his size. He is undersized, so he'll have to develop some moves and ways to get around that at the next level. Um, but he's great when it comes to diagnosing runs and pursuing 
the run game. So I, I think he'll be a very good player at the next level. Um, initially, I liked him with maybe like the Colts or somebody like that when I had looked at it. But again, I think I think a team that's already developed a strong maybe defensive line will pick a guy up like this, and he'll be he'll be big at the next level. Yeah, and, and Curtis Weaver should be a, a first round pick. Yeah. And, and you know the production speaks to that. And I think people like the motor you get with Curtis Weaver in the production, which is why you're probably going to see him at the end of the first round. With the Colts trading back, or you know, or I know having lost the pick mm-hmm. with the DeForest Buckner pick, maybe they're a team that tries to move up a little bit to you know to try to get pass rush. But I really think you know again, Vikings would be a, maybe a good pick. Um, you know, you maybe see him at just one of those teams that you said, but they, they're a very good team right now. They're at the end of the first. Getting a pass rusher could really propel them forward uh, and and have success. I think I think Curtis Weaver. You know, if he was a little bit taller, we'd be talking. You know, and a little bit quicker we'd be talking a mid-first-round type guy. I think the Titans is my favorite pick or favorite spot for Curtis Weaver. Um, at number four, we have Uter Gross Matos. Now, here's a guy out of Penn State. Let me mention that. 6'5", 256. And we talked about Roquan Davis being the first guy you want out of the bus. I'd say Gross Matos is the other guy that you want walking out um, and saying, yeah, that's our defensive end. And it's because he's got the prototypical size. Um, along with our first, our, our number one player, if you could just mold a player – as your defensive end, Gross Matos is the guy you want. Uh, the problem with Gross Matos is just that he is the definition of boomer bust. You know, he had times where he just bullied people at the college level, but then there's times he disappeared. And you're like, where's this potential first round talent gone? And the problem with him is he's relied too much on the athletic ability. And we've talked about that a little bit, but this is like the poster child for that. He just, he doesn't really work well with his hands, which for defensive ends to become those premier guys, you've got to work well with your hands. But otherwise, he has all the athletic uh, traits you want. Now, a team, the Patriots, could really fall in love with this guy because they're like, okay, we know we have the system to teach him this. And we could teach him well. And, and if he develops those traits, I mean, he could be a steal because he's such a boomer bust prospect. It would be hard to see him fall out of the second or out of the first into the second round. It's possible that both him and Curtis Weaver are both kind of fringe guys. Mm-hmm. But we like both of them just because pass rusher is such a premium. We like both of them in the first round. I, I thought of a team like maybe Seattle, depending on if they lose Clowney in them. I mean, he seems like a guy that could go into that defense, learn from Pete Carroll and their defensive staff, and be a good player. There. Yeah, I so, think that would be a very good one too. And I just don't think you're going to see, you know, if he la- if he does slip into the second round, him and Curtis Weaver, they're going to be one of the first names picked on day two. Now, the top three guys we have here are both guys, or all three of them are people you're going to see, I would say, like, for sure in the top top 20 talk maybe top 15 here with these guys. And the number three, we have Calevon Chason, um, the LSU edge rusher, sophomore, so a very young guy, one of the youngest players in the draft. Now he's 6'3", 254. I know you like Chason, so why don't you talk about Chason a little bit? Well, like you say, it's kind of a one-year thing, so you're wondering if it's a boom or bust type situation. But, I mean, he exploded on the scene with 60 tackles, I mean 34 solo and six and a half sacks in the one season that anybody's really seen him. He's got long arms and speed that, I mean, translate to power really fast, which is great at the next level. But, I mean, he has a surreal body control, which if he makes contact with an offensive lineman, he's able to maintain and he's able to get to the quarterback or to the running back. I mean, I I know you don't like him as much as I do, and maybe what are some of the negatives that you see? My biggest negative is, like, the arms, right? So, like, he doesn't have the longest arms, which – you know, some that, that can hurt people. You know, he's got the athletic ability. There's no doubt about it. He's He's got a lot of talent to work with, and that is exciting, and that's why he is a first-round pick for me as well. Problem is, if you don't have long arms, you're going to run into offensive linemen at the NFL level 
who do have the arms to just engulf you. And if you get engulfed, I mean, you're not going to get the production. Mm -hmm. And so my, my issue is if you, he's got all the athletic ability, if you rush him off the edge and you have a slow tackle, he's going to get the production. That's great. But if you have a speedy guy, he's going to have to rely on hands and arms, um, which my, my favorite team fits for him. I middle of the first round, I think is still fair for Caleb on chase on, but you know, Falcons, I think would be a, a good fit for him off the edge. They like guys like that. Um, do you have a team fit potentially well, for him? I, I like if he if he falls a little bit. I like teams like maybe the Saints, somebody that has people that he can learn from there. And, I mean, he, he's going to have to learn. He's not going to come in day one, and he's not going to put up big numbers. But it's, it, in a couple years, he may end up being a Pro Bowl type of player. Yeah, I think as high as, as potentially – so Jets, I think yeah, I think for me, Caleb Vaughn best fits in a 3-4 where he can be a stand-up outside linebacker and rush the quarterback and not a hand-in-the-dirt guy. So a 3-4 team for me would be the best fit for him. I, th- I could see him at the Cowboys. After losing Robert Quinn, I could see him being a Quinn replacement. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot to like with Caleb Vaughn, Caleb Vaughn Chase on. Um, if he does start to fall, um, you know, you want to nab him. I know there's a lot of comparisons to Daniel Hunter, uh, the Vikings edge rusher. Uh, because they both were at LSU, they both were kind of underutilized, and they both kind of just, you know, they both have you know very much raw athletic ability, and so a lot of people are hoping that Caleb Von Chason has the explosion onto the scene um, that Daniel Hunter did, but I you know I don't see it just because of the arms and just because uh, you know what you're seeing with Daniel Hunter do at the next level, we've not seen Caleb Von Chason do, but it doesn't mean he can't learn it, and with his age and with the athletic ability that is there. He is a guy that I do. I am really excited about. I just I'm, I have my reservations as well, which is why we have him at number three. Um, because at number two we have AJ Epineza uh, out of Iowa. He's a junior, 6'5", uh, 275. And the reason I have AJ Epineza up there is because he's already has, I think he has the, the skills to produce right away um, and, and get better as well. He, it's not like he's a high high floor, low ceiling guy. He has the ability to to really propel himself. Um, as a, as a, you know, a great, great edge rusher, but he's, he's also scheme versatile at, at 275. I think he's a guy who could also line up in the interior as a defensive tackle alongside someone else and just be an absolute disruptor um, from the inside and from the outside. So with matchups, he could be an absolute matchup problem for me. I really liked him with the Colts and now with the Colts having traded out in the Niners there, if they don't take like Javon Kinlaw, who we talked about earlier, I could actually see AJ Epineza in San Francisco playing for the uh, for the 49ers. I think that would be a wonderful fit. I also think the Jets, you know, he might not even be there come the Niners because I think the Jets are just a fantastic fit as well for Epineza. My favorite fit are the Lions, but the problem is the Lions are, at, you know, at three. So it would have to be more of a trade back type issue. But I do think he fits well in a scheme where a coach likes to move his players around. And that's usually, you know, we see that with the Patriots. Uh, we see that with the Lions. Um, and, and he's, you know, those are the type of fits that I really like for AJ Epineza. Uh, the Buccaneers would be another good fit for him. I don't think he falls out of 20, you know, top 20. And I really don't think he falls out of the top 16. Um, if he, I would be shocked if he falls past the Broncos at 16. Um, and I do think there potentially could be some teams that could trade up to get AJ Epineza because of the versatility he has, the ideal size that he has and the ability to have production, uh, from day one. So it's probably no surprise who our number one guy is going to be. The, you know, And he's their number one defensive lineman in general over Derek Brown, over Kinlaw. I'd say if I had to rank them, I'd put our number one guy first, and that's Chase Young out of Ohio State. And then I'd probably say you know Derek Brown at number two, Javon Kinlaw number three, 
AJ Epineza, number four, and Caleb Von Chase on as our top five. But yeah, our number one defensive end edge rusher, Chase Young, uh, 6'5", 264. Again, if you could build a guy, you build Chase Young. Um, and now he's just a physical freak. I mean, he didn't participate in the combine, which really bummed all of us out because we were really hoping for this, you know, kind of generational type performance because he's a generational type talent. And we've said that about other people in the past, you know, like the Clownies, uh, the Miles Garretts, the Von Millers. And really, like, I would say they've all been very productive. I mean, Von Miller has been an elite pass rusher. He, he really fit the bill. Miles Garrett was really on the track to being a premier edge rusher until his whole, uh, you know, Rudolph incident with, with beating somebody with a helmet. Um, but, you know, he's been a very good player. And then Clowney, he is an elite run stopper. Maybe not the pass rusher we thought he'd be, but he's still an elite in one in, in one of his, uh, his skills. You know, Chase Young, I just think, you know, yeah, he's going to be top five. He's going to be top three. You know, right now, all the rumors are him to the Redskins. Unless the Redskins trade out or decide, nope, we want to get Tua, Chase Young will be the number two pick in the draft. And in most drafts, I'd say without with absent like an elite quarterback, he's the number one pick. Edge rushers are such a premium. Chase Young fits the bill. I mean, you can't go wrong picking Chase Young. I, barring injuries, and, you know, he, he he's going to be an absolute, you know, an absolute phenomenal player in the league. Uh, you know, the big thing – there was the, the Boses both came out of Ohio State, uh, both Nick and Joey, and you have uh, Chase Young all out of Ohio State. So you could be wondering, is it the program producing these players? You know, the Boses have the talent. Maybe Chase Young was just a product of the system, but he's already been proven to even be better uh, at his, you know, having more physical traits than the Bosa twins, which for their production in the NFL, saying he'll have, maybe have a more athletic Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa is scary to think about. He's got great hand usage. Coaches rave about him that have coached him. He's a smart player, uh, instinctive guy, and he's just at, he's he is a more athletic Joey Bosa, and that is just kind of scary to think about. Um, you know, he had the suspension earlier in the season, uh, but it was just you know it's incredible. He still racked up 46 tackles, 32 being solo tackles, and 16 and a half sacks with an incredible tackle for loss ratio. So I mean, it's no surprise how good he is. Again, we talk about potential teams being the Redskins, Lions. In Bengals. I mean, if the Bengals decide not to take a quarterback, I mean, yeah, I think he would be in play. You know, he's from Ohio. I think he'd fit there well, but they're probably taking Joe Burrow. I think Lions Redskins are kind of a lock to get Chase Young. It depends on where he's going to go there. But if you draft, if you're the team that drafts Chase Young, you're absolutely going to be getting a generational type talent. And I think a perennial all pro with that potential Hall of Famer um, in him. And you're absolutely, you know, psyched with the potential that you get. You know, and I just want to talk about a few more guys, uh, and these are our defensive tackles, uh, a few more guys that, you know, just to look out for that are those day two type guys or, you know, end of day two, day three type guys. That's Justin Matabuki out of Texas A&M, um, a high motor guy that he plays the interior. He's a disruptor, good run blocker, uh, but you'll you'll find him more of a, a day, you know, probably a, a sec- late second, third round guy. Marlon Davidson out of Auburn. Now that's another guy that you'll probably see uh, second round, maybe slipping into the third. Devon Hamilton, another guy who you're going to see, uh, you know, day two player. And then Lecky Fatu out of Utah. Uh, he had a very good senior bowl. Another one of these Utah seniors we're talking about that, you know, are going to make an impact in the NFL. Day two guy, potentially day, or, uh, third round, maybe fourth round type player. Um, but there's a lot to like with this offensive line group and defensive line group. And I know it's a shorter episode, um, but really dive into these guys, you know, 
offensive linemen and edge rushers really are a premium in the NFL behind quarterbacks that I would say they're the most important positions. Um, so there, you can never have too many of them. So you're going to see some teams who already have good edge rushers and offensive linemen that are going to you know load up on more of them. Um, but yeah, you're going to see both of these groups of, of players, both your edges, tackles, and offensive linemen, the tackles, uh, going in the top 10. So get familiar with the names. If you're a team that needs either of these positions, definitely research them, watch tape on them, look at their combines, um, and get excited about a few of them. But yeah, that's our last uh, prospect analysis. So we've covered all the main position groups except really kickers and punters. Um, and it's not that we don't appreciate what they do. It's just that we really don't know a ton about them. Um, and, you know, if you if you need a kicker, I guess go look at those guys. You're going to be later in the draft. Um, but otherwise, we've covered all the prospects. Um, and, and our hope now is that we move forward with um, our mock drafts and we start getting involved with uh, maybe our first round mocks. Um, now that, that, you know, we're getting closer, just, you know, three weeks out now or so from the, you know, a couple weeks from the draft. So, yeah, and we want you guys to participate. We're going to maybe be bringing you an idea about doing a, maybe a mock draft challenge. Um, and maybe we'll have some more information on that in our next episode. Um, but again, look for, look for our next episode. If you haven't listened to any of our other draft analysis episodes, go back and listen. You know, we've done the quarterbacks and the running backs and wide receivers, and we've done tight ends and linebackers. Um, and, and corners go listen to those um, and then and then yeah you know we'll be trying to be bringing you our next episode relatively soon we hope you guys are all safe out there staying healthy um, and enjoying the content that we bring um, let us know if you guys still want more draft analysis uh, and, and if you're excited for our mock drafts uh, if you want to hear something else email us at qtfpodcast at gmail.com let us know what you want to hear um, we want to start bringing some new new content once the draft um, you know concludes here in a couple weeks um, otherwise, yeah, stay active on the social medias at Quicker Than Fast Podcasts. Um, we really appreciate all the support, and we really hope that you guys continue to share the podcast. Tell your friends, tell your families, get it moving um, so we can just grow this community and, and keep it active. But again, we thank you for all your support. We hope all of all of you are doing well, um, and we, we hope you enjoyed uh, Episode 7, and we can't wait for Episode 8. So until next time, keep it sleazy, and we're out.